Welcome to listeners old and new. I'm Graham Hunter. You can get an extra big interview plus a documentary special every month and hear all our content free of adverts by signing up as a socio at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. This month, only socios get my big interview with Celeste Ferdinand and a documentary called Pep Talk that I put together with Jonathan Northcroft, star of Stage, Screen and the Sunday Times. For £2.99 per month, you'll also know you're supporting our show. More at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Thanks to all our socios. We need your help to do this. We couldn't and wouldn't do it without you. Welcome back to the Big Inside View. If you're subscribing to this brilliant podcast series, then presumably, like me, you're delighted that the Champions League is back again because irrespective of the way in which the remuneration may tilt the scales across the European leagues, irrespective of what I think is the false debate about the, the group stages, the Champions League since its inception has brought us some of the most extraordinary football that we've ever seen, thrills, finals full of goals, seesaw finals, and it's brought about a change, a complete change in the mentality of attacking play away from home, a complete change in the quality of pitches, a complete change in how technique and players of skill are protected. In short, it's a fabulous, fabulous creature. Are there blemishes that could be corrected? Yeah, there are, but it's fantastic that it's back. But is it back in the right way? Are you divided between saying, we want to see the champion knocked over or saying it's too soon for Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid. Because on Wednesday night, the free-spending champions of France go to the impoverished, lowly... No, okay, they're not. Real Madrid are in their own way as free-spending, but they're being challenged by Paris Saint-Germain's ability to deny them the right to buy Mbappe. They've got Neymar, a player that... Florentino Perez has coveted since he was about 14 and came and trained at Valdebebas. They've got a side assembled to knock over the European champions and they're playing a Real Madrid which this season has lacked personality, has lacked application and where the great stars in white have looked around to each other as if to say we don't know what's wrong and certainly there have been periods of the season when Zidane hasn't known what's wrong. The fact that he's iconic, the fact that as a footballer, he looked as if he could do anything in any situation, that he could stamp his authority on situations where he and his teammates were the dominant ones. He could also pull teams through the most difficult situations and produce either pieces of magic or pieces of craziness, even in the final of the World Cup in 2006. The fact that he's such an elegant man in the way he's moved from director of football at Real Madrid to assistant coach, where he was part of the Champions League winning team with Paul Clement and Carlo Ancelotti in 2014, to now become, in extremis, the guy that Florentino Perez reached out to to take over from Rafa Benitez when nobody else was available, nobody else would say yes. And then suddenly Zidane transforms the team, wins eight trophies, first title in Spain since 2012, since Mourinho, and the only man, the only squad, the only club ever to retain the Champions League. What that's disguised is that he's doing his apprenticeship in reverse. 
these tough times, these last few months when the team has been underprepared, undertrained, has lacked the ability to be intense and consistent throughout 90 minutes in absolutely key matches, certainly since they hammered Barcelona in the Super Cup and beat Manchester United comfortably in the European Super Cup in August. Since then, this has been a side that has looked vulnerable, has played in a vulnerable way in the league. That's why it's gone completely. That's why right now they're stiffening the resolve to fight to make sure that they finish at least third in the automatic qualifying places for the Champions League again. And therefore, even though there's been a slight improvement, the performance away to Valencia, the easy hammering of Deportivo La Coruña at the Bernabeu, and then the 5-2 win against Real Sociedad this weekend, it really feels as if the improvements in key areas probably haven't come in time if Paris Saint-Germain are ready. If Paris Saint-Germain are more than simply a fearsome attacking force which is making hay in a really weedy garden in Ligue 1 in France. That's the fascination of this. Before we look at Paris Saint-Germain, here's the team. You know, you're only listening to this on Tuesday. The game was on Wednesday night in the Spanish capital at Santiago Bernabeu. But I guess this is how they're going to line up. Keylor Navas, first of all, will be in goal. He's been agile all season. He's still looking like a young Iker Casillas. Um, brilliant reflex saves. Loved by the rest of the team. When Florentino Perez was trying to force through the purchase of Kepa from Athletic Club, the senior players went to Zidane and said, we trust Keylor. We want Keylor to stay. We want him to be the number one. They genuinely believe in him. And time and time again, he's proved why they feel that about him. But time and time again, when he's done that magnificent thing that elite goalkeepers are asked to do in dominant clubs, which is have nothing to do for 30, 40, 50 minutes and then produce a brilliant save, time and time again, most notably against, say, Villarreal. And then again, it happened away at Leganes just now, about 10 days ago, when the initial save is made, the follow-up player is always opposition, not the Real Madrid midfield chasing back. Only three back, it's Shedashev now. Help in the middle from Unal. Unal against Navas denied. Rebound for Navas. Goal! Kayla Navas saves the bacon the first time, but his defense is nowhere near to stop Unal's wonderful chip on the run. In the first half here, a chance and on, and Navas to the rescue, rebound, buried in the corner by Boateng, Morales denied, but Levante will not be. Kayla's been betrayed by his own side, but he's a guy who's in form, and even though he knows that Thibaut Courtois saying the other day in an interview, I miss Madrid, my kids are in Madrid, I'm not happy in London, was a big, big come on to Florentino Perez to go and buy him. Kayla Navas is the kind of player who will react to that and fight rather than get his head down, rather than lose confidence. He's one of the key things that might keep Romadid in this tie until the return leg in Paris. Carvajal out at right back. He's a lost, brilliant distributor of the ball and a great supplier of goals to Cristiano Ronaldo. But if you've got to lose Carvajal, Nacho's a good replacement. Every club has one of these players that the fans adore for reasons beyond whether he costs a lot of money or scores lots of goals, and Nacho is one of them. He's come through the ranks from the cantera, from the youth system. Whenever he plays, he's ferocious. He doesn't look like Puyol, but he's regarded by the Madrid fans the way that the Barca fans thought of Puyol, one of our own, and who plays as if 
it was me on the stage, as if any fan had suddenly been transformed into a top-level footballer and been given the power to fulfil his dreams. And natural plays like that week in, week out. He actually scores more than you could expect from a right-back. And if there's a difference between him and Carval, which is why Carval is the outstanding number one right-back for the Spain international team, it's that Carvajal does use the ball brilliantly and his assist flow is higher than Nacho's. And also there's a ferocity about Carvajal that resembles Sergio Ramos that Nacho doesn't quite have. Speaking of Ramos, flaws and all, he's back. Out so often this season, not at his best. A player who, now well past 30, needs four, five, six games after injury to be at his very best and he hasn't had that. But what he brings daily, not just in matches, but when he's with the group training rather than on his own rehabbing or um, in the gym, there's an intensity, there's a demand for standards, there's a noise level, there's an aggression. There's a captain's push every day, every minute of every training session that everybody be on it. And if not, they'll be told about it. With Ramos being absent so often this season, that's part of the reason that the training has been too light, L-I-T-E. Why standards have dropped a little bit, why fitness has dropped a little bit, minimally, but partially because everybody in that squad is scared to take a bad training session to Sergio Ramos. Is he invincible against Paris Saint-Germain? No. Will Neymar try to highlight him, try to drag him into situations where Sergio Ramos commits bookable or red card offences? Yes, he will. Together a few passes. Neymar is caught across the back of the head by Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos making his mark on Neymar in the early going. With 13 minutes in, well, Neymar has been taken down again by Sergio Ramos. And this time the card is going to be shown to the Real Madrid captain. This time a forearm across the throat. Everybody knows that you can only outstrip Sergio Ramos' red cards by counting his goals in extremis for Real Madrid. With Varane on form, it's a fearsome partnership, but Varane too has been injury hit this season. He's a player whose pace will be vital against Cavani or maybe against Mbappé, who I think might start from the bench, and Ángel Di Maria. But Varane is a footballer whose pace has stopped him reading the game as well as he needs to because he can get to things rather than reading the game and anticipating and knowing exactly what he needs to do, there's still a bit of development to come in Varane to the extent that his best season was for Jose Mourinho winning the title in 11-12 and his game hasn't developed one iota since then. In fact, it's probably gone backwards. Pace, height, power, definitely. Elite, elite centre-back, not as much as he should be. There's an anomaly at left-back, but you pronounce that anomaly in Portuguese-Brazilian as Marcelo. He's got absolutely no directional sense when it comes to defending. He'll go for a wander as if he was a little kid out in the countryside during the summertime, whistling away to himself, looking around, having a spot at what the other team's doing on the halfway line when he should be in the edge of his own box. And that's something that Paris Saint-Germain are absolutely for sure going to try to exploit. It was really interesting at the weekend when Real Sociedad were beaten 5-2 and Asensio was playing, that when La Real used Canales to attack down their right... Asensio doubled back to make it a two-on-one to back up Marcelo to try and make sure that the Brazilian was in his correct place. The counterpoint, obviously, is what you get by indulging Marcelo. He's an extraordinary attacking footballer and an athlete. He doesn't look like it, but he is. So, for example, 
if you want to measure up against his errors, his his positional errors, the times when a right wing cross will come over and Madrid are either put in trouble or concede a goal, you look at the fact that he scored in the Champions League final of 2014 against Atleti in the last 16. In this round of the 2015-16, he made an assist against Roma. He tucked away his penalty in the final in Milan, again against Atleti. In the 2017 quarterfinal against Bayern Munich, when it looked very much as if Ancelotti's team was going to eliminate Real Madrid, having lost at home in the first leg, it was Marcelo who produced an assist for Cristiano Ronaldo to make it 3-2. And of course, as he does in finals, he put his stamp all over a goal. Asensio's 4-1 goal was courtesy of Marcelo. The trouble is, until now, this season, he hasn't been as good in an attacking or creative or anarchic sense as he needs to be until the last couple of weeks. Almost with Pavlovian timing, Marcelo looks as if he's back, in an attacking sense at least. If he has a disaster in defensive terms, don't come back to me or via Neil or Martin and say, you said he was going to defend like a trooper, because he won't. In the midfield, there's good news for Real Madrid. Modric and Cruz have had ambivalent seasons, each of them looking flat and tired. Zidane has done something clever that he's not yet been given credit for. During the month of January, during the cup onslaught, when big teams like Sevilla and Barcelona, including Paris Saint-Germain, who had two cup competitions to play for in France, Cruz and Modric were used sparingly. They were used, but their number of minutes on a pitch decreased a little bit. They both played almost identical minutes from January 1 until now with the aim of being ready for this Paris Saint-Germain tie. What happened as a counterpoint was that in training, there was like a mini pre-season where they were asked to work a lot harder physically to tone themselves. And you can see it against Levante in the 2-2 draw. Modric was absolutely imperious. And even at 31, 32 plus, chasing back younger men, Evie and Morales, winning the ball and using the ball and always showing for the ball. Cruz is a different matter, not chasing and winning all the time, but on the ball, using it much more accurate with his passes, suddenly scoring goals, an imperious goal in the 4-1 win at Valencia, a brilliant, even better goal against La Real at the weekend. Cruz feels ready, hungry, and neither the Croat nor the German is now guilty of saving themselves for this summer's World Cup and saying, listen, we've won everything with Madrid, let's just make sure that we're informed for our countries when we get to Russia. They're both serious problems for Verratti or Lo Celso or whoever Draxler, whoever plays in Paris Saint-Germain's midfield. Casemiro's a different um, case altogether. The Brazilian's been a linchpin, and again, he's a symbol of what Zidane did from when Benitez dropped Casemiro and used Danilo instead in the Clasco that cost him his job and they lost 4-0 at home, Danilo was relegated by Zidane and then sold, whereas Casemiro was promoted such that in the first couple of seasons of Zidane, Casemiro was probably the best defensive midfielder, central midfielder in the world. Not an organising structural midfielder like Busquets, nowhere near him. But in terms of pure defensive arts, doing all the work to allow Modric and Cruz to do so much damage further up. Also, blessed with an unnatural ability to convince himself that the referees couldn't see him, that he was invisible. If any of you have watched Gregory's Girl, there's that moment when Gregory's been late to school and he's dodging across, zigzagging across the red blaze playing fields where the two teachers are up in the staff room watching him laugh and going, he thinks he's invisible. Casemiro genuinely must have watched Gregory's Girl as a very young boy back in Brazil because... The number of times over the last two seasons when he's committed fouls that mean he should have been booked three or four times in a game and he's only been booked once 
is absolutely extraordinary. Never been sent off for Ramirez. It's my opinion that in professional football, he's never been sent off. And I don't have a more extraordinary stat than that for you. But this season, he's looked short, physically short. He's looked as if the way in which the pre-season training was gentle, standards dropped a little bit, and I'm talking minimally because of all the trophies and all the success and the accumulated tiredness. Casemiro needs to be absolutely at peak physical condition to be as good as he needs to be, which is why I think he was rested at the weekend um, against Lareal. Up front, this is the point where I'm going to disagree with Zidane. He's going to play Bale, Benzema and Cristiano. He's going to be BBCing it. Well, I'm not a big ITV fan, but the BBC should be switched off for this one. Ronaldo has to play because he's got, whatever, seven goals in his last five in La Liga. He finishes well still. He works away at his game, even though this season it's been atrocious. He's looked like a guy who's forgotten how to practice hard enough at the the basic arts of first touch, side foot finishing, little things that were the bedrock of him being extraordinary when he did things with the ball, particularly in scoring that nobody else on the planet was doing and made him prolific. The bedrock of what made him so good seems to have diminished a little bit, as if life, uh, being a father multiple times over, winning the golden ball, um, his film, his marketing, all these things, in my judgment, mean that he's not working as hard at the basics of his game. And it isn't simply the fact that he's getting older. He turned 33 um, last week. It's that something has detracted a little bit from his focus about how to be the best. Nonetheless, again, with Pavlovian timing like Marcelo, the Champions League comes around and Ronaldo scores the first hat-trick of the season. He broke an all-time record with the number of goals he scored in the Champions League group. Okay, it wasn't against Paris Saint-Germain, but he starts. Everybody knows that. Bale was rested at the weekend and Bale, between injuries, has been Romero's most devastating player, their most dangerous player. In terms of his passing, his ability to break through the lines, his assists, his goals, but just his general quality of play. When fit, when fully fit, Gareth Bale has been absolutely monstrous for Real Madrid. And I'd expect him, so long as he stays fit, to have an even bigger impact on the second leg away in Paris, where he can catch Emery's team pushing up and go beyond them. It's still got to be a Gareth Bale night. Benzema's a different case. Benzema is a broken man. Having said that, the pundit's luck will be that he'll score a hat-trick against Paris Saint-Germain. But there's something to point out that not only does he consistently miss chances these days, and it looked like um, a couple of weeks ago against Levante when he was left on and Bale was taken off and Ronaldo was taken off, and suddenly, having been left on, he produced the assist for Isco to put Romerid 2-1 ahead. It looked as if Zidane had got through to him. But then at the weekend, he missed unbelievable chances. He allowed both Navas and De La Bea to block him at the last instant in front of goal. But the worst thing of all was seeing when Iaramendi, if you want to go back and look at the way in which Lareal in the second half wake up at 4-0 down, start winning headers in the box, push forward and win territory. And eventually Iaramendi scores from left wing cross, goes to the right side, one me jumps, Iaramendi runs onto it and Benzema stands and watches him. Benzema's back on defensive duties, doesn't pick up Iaramendi, doesn't care that the, the ball has been won in front of him and doesn't care that Lareal score. Stands there like a spectator, just shows an, a complete indifference as a reaction to the call. And that's the reason that he should be dropped. They can't afford passengers against Paris Saint-Germain. And both Isco and Asensio are well able to take his place, each of them offering different things tactically. Isco, obviously, 
keeping the ball, setting a tone of the game, keeping the ball away from Paris Saint-Germain and making sure that when Madrid have it, they've got this chance to beat players one-on-one. That Something that Cruz and Modric don't do, Ronaldo no longer does, Bale can do with pace, and Benzema has lost the art of. Isco beating a man one-on-one. Asensio's energy, creative touches and ability to score from distance, either of those options look to me a, bit a better option than Karim Benzema. But unfortunately, Zidane is going to show faith to his French compatriot and say, your experience, your ability to make Cristiano Ronaldo a better player will probably see Benzema starting. But to finish, as we try to look forward to this tie that can mean so much for both sides, one of the positives for um, Zidane is that that extra effort in January, the mini pre-season that saw the team sometimes flat and tired because they were working so much harder than the rest of the season in these months since the turn of the year has left them with a much more solid bench. Isco is on the up and up. Asensio is on the up and up. Kovacic does not resemble the lost boy who played um, against Messi and Rakitic in the Clasco just before Christmas. Kovacic is buzzing now looks ready to add energy and bite and tackles and potentially even goal assists to the midfield at a certain stage of the first leg against Paris Saint-Germain on Wednesday night at the Santiago Bernabeu. And the other guy who could start or should start instead of Benzema with Bale in the middle and Ronaldo wide is Lucas. Lucas took it really hard that he was dropped from the squad for the Cardiff final against Juventus. He'd played exceptionally in coming on against Atleti in the previous season's final. He'd scored his penalty. And then for a year later to be dropped from the squad and not considered by Zidane as an important part cost Lucas a lot. And he lost focus for six, seven, eight weeks. But he's got it back. He showed in the cup and he's shown recently in the league that he's ferociously fit, that he's quick, that he goes past people and that he can both score and provide the header he scored to open the floodgates against Lareal at the weekend for his height and size was absolutely extraordinary. And that means that Paris Saint-Germain need to take advantage of the first 11 who are not yet firing on all cylinders because if Real Madrid are still in the game in the second half and the bench is unleashed, there is a right good chance that Real Madrid get a result that maybe on current form people aren't tipping them to do. Final word about Paris Saint-Germain. I don't live in France, I only watch them intermittently. But think about this. Let's say the evident discord between Cavani and Neymar or Neymar and some of the rest of the team who speak about the privileges he gets, the way in which Thiago Silva, Dani Alves and Neymar in particular are a little clan. And let's say that there isn't a unity, a fighting spirit that you need to make great talents into a great team. And it's been too easy, let's say, against teams like Dijon where you can score eight in League One. And Unai Emery has to make this Harlem Globetrotter team better than just one that looks great when it's destroying lesser opposition. If they have their day against Real Madrid and Real Madrid play it as they've done at home against Valencia or Real Betis or Leganes who knocked him out of the cup at the Bernabeu or indeed Villarreal, then fine. Paris Saint-Germain should repay their owners, their Qatari owners, investment in Mbappe and Neymar, which totals you know, not far off 400 million euros. But just turn it on its head. Let's say Real Madrid have their night. Let's say Paris Saint-Germain don't click. And Paris Saint-Germain, having been assembled in the way that they have, have been under the spotlight for financial fair play, and stuck playing in League One, which doesn't necessarily prepare them to be 
the best in Europe, which doesn't test them week in, week out. Something that we saw when PSG um, went to Bayern Munich in the last group game with their owner saying that he expected them to win and they were pumped 3-1. Let's say just imagine the pressure that Unai Emery and those around him and some of the senior guys in the squad are under to make sure that Paris Saint-Germain please their owners and show that they're muscular despite never having had to work out against eight stone weaklings in France's top division. All of which means early or not, a possible final played in the wrong month. Real Madrid against Paris Saint-Germain is utterly unmissable. And that's your big inside view guide to it. Hope you enjoyed that. I'm willing to bet you did. Finally, a reminder that you can get an extra big interview plus a documentary special every month and hear all our content free of adverts by signing up as a socio, by signing up as a member. Join us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. We need you. For £2.99 per month, you'll also know that you're supporting this independent show that we produce and fund ourselves. There's more on this at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Thank you to all our believers, our members, our socios. We need you for this.